How are you folks? Welcome to another episode of Yogi Dave's Hobby Podcast, the podcast where I talk about tabletop RPGs from tabletop board games, tabletop board games, tabletop board games, and everything that tabletop gaming encompasses. This is a new year and a new podcast. Well, a new podcast, I say. It feels like getting into a new podcast. So, what I have got for you today is an interview with uh, Spencer Campbell who writes for Gilla RPGs or is it the man behind Gilla RPGs um, so things such as Lumen, Light um, and this new one Nova um, which we're going to talk about uh, in the podcast uh, as always uh, we are knee deep in work on Legends of Hammer and Shrine, which is one of the reasons I have been so busy and too busy to get any podcasts out. Basically, it's been that and work. So, I'm going to try and do more, basically. Uh, and we will try and get all that out for you. Uh, so, Legends of Hammer and Shrine, obviously. I'll put a wee promo at the end uh, after I've promoted, obviously, Spencer's work. So, I'm going to just get to the interview. See you at the end. Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Yoga Dave's Hobby Podcast, uh, the podcast where I talk about everything from tabletop gaming, so tabletop RPGs, tabletop board games, and everything and anything in there. Uh, today, we are talking to Spencer Campbell. Um, so, just going to get into it. So, Spencer, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me here. That's no problem. Um, so, you are about to kickstart a game called Nova. So let's talk a little bit about Nova. What made you want to do this particular game? Sure. So Nova is a... um, It's my next full game using a system that I designed called the Lumen system. So Mm -hmm. uh, Lumen first was sort of created uh, as an evolution of my game Light. And so now Nova is the next big thing in it. Um, it's sort of a, an evolution of a previous project that's sort of been reframed and turned into what it is now with a new setting and everything. And it's my first chance at sort of fully flexing and writing a full book with the Lumen system. And I'm, that's the thing that I'm most excited about because light is that technically, but it's all spread out a bunch of small pieces. Now it's all going to be put together in one book. Which, as, as somebody who is in the middle of doing that myself, it, 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 it's, a, it's a task. It's a task and a half. Yes, um, it is. Even if you've got somebody helping you write it, it's still a task and a half. So if you're writing it yourself, it's it's got to be difficult. There's a lot of work to be done, that's for sure. I, and, I mean, I don't know about you, but from my own personal experience, you learn a lot about a lot of different things while you're doing it because it's not just, oh, I've got to write this. Was editing and all the rest of that kind of stuff. So, um, tell us a little bit about the Nova uh, setting. Sure. So, Nova is a sort of uh, alternative history. It was not really history. I guess it's future. It's sci-fi, uh, in which the um, the premise is that the sun explodes. Um, 
and you know hence the name nova and in that explosion small pieces of the sun kind of go flying across the solar system they smash into things they largely wipe out planet earth's uh, human population but these who those lucky few who do survive find these large shards of sun embedded in the earth um and they provide warmth light and energy now in a world in which the sun is no longer in the sky and so in this horrible doomsday apocalypse scenario suddenly humanity is rebuilding around these sun shards and it's almost as if they have miniature dyson spheres because they start to tap into the energy of the sun and in a strange twist technology starts to really expand and explode because of all of this access to energy like this And so now um, humanity has built these exosuits, these kind of cool mechanical robot suits that people can step inside and pilot called Sparks. And that's what the players play as in, in Nova. And the whole premise is that you're going to go out into the, the dark places beyond the safety of these sun shards, explore old Earth and see what you can do to try and rekindle and rebuild humanity. That sounds very cool. I do love a mech game. I'm, I'm first, one of the first uh, games that I ever played was Battletech, so mm-hmm. I love a mech game. Um, yeah, so that sounds really cool. Uh, so how did you get into RPGs? I got into RPGs in grad school. So when I was in grad school, there was a group of us who would on Friday afternoons, we would stick around after we got our work done and we would play Magic. So we'd play Magic the Gathering on Fridays and we did that for a few weeks, a few months. We had a lot of fun with that. And then somebody just pitched the idea of, hey, do you want to try one of these RPG things? And I had, you know, up to that point, I had never played any. I had only, you know, heard of them. And so uh, he kind of pitched this idea of doing it ran a one shot, uh, got instantly hooked into it. And then from there, uh, I got the GMing bug. I, I became sort of the forever GM. And um, so actually some of my earlier um, campaigns, I didn't really play very much D&D early on. It was mostly just because because I got into it so late, there was already yeah. a really huge abundance of cool indie RPGs. Yeah. And so I was actually mostly playing those which I think is really um, fortunate in terms of uh, shaping yeah. me as a designer because I was ex- exposed to so many different things like that. Yeah. And so it was just because of a, a a random Friday night where we got bored playing Magic and we decided to do a one-shot. And since then, I've been totally all in on RPGs. Yeah. You, you sometimes find that you just get that little spark and it just goes, oof. Yeah, it, it, that is really quite cool that they started more indie because you don't really get a lot of people that start out with indie. It's always like D&D or Pathfinder or something like that, or World of Darkness. Oh, it is really quite cool that, that that is how you got out into the gaming world. Yeah, the first things that I played were powered by the Apocalypse games. So, you know... I actually played a powered by the Apocalypse scheme at this point but <laughs> yeah it's you it's know one it's of one things. of those it's one of those things that was it seemed really cool to me and um but also was overwhelming because 
understandably, like with D and D, at least it's it's very rule. You know, it's 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 crunchier than like yeah. a PBTA game, and so like there's rails that you can understand. As somebody who had never role played before, like the concept of moves were like totally foreign to me. But uh, I just remember having a ton of fun with it and uh, really rolling with it from there. Um, yeah, D and D. I mean, I played I think the first D and D I played was Second Edition. D&D, so I've been playing for a long time. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I mean, I've been gaming since I was five, so but RPGs were later on. Um, yeah, D&D hasn't got less crunchy until mm. I think fifth edition. It always was some for some reason getting more and more crunchy, mm. and sometimes you, you, just, you just can't be followed with that. Just like, I mean, I have it. I stopped playing D&D for years and years. I played Pathfinder, but that's, that's just as crunchy. It's pretty crunchy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, one of the, the things that we've been doing a lot of is the Midiphius 2D20 games, mm. which are a bit crunchy, but not too much. There's still a lot of RP in there that is quite nice because, yeah. yes, you've got to roll the dice, but at the same time, you've got to know what you want to do to be able to roll that dice and to be able to tell the GM, right, this is how difficult this roll is going to be. Right. So I think that, that's the the, mid, the nice midpoint. Um, I haven't really played that many games where it's just RP and mm. minimal dice. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so you talked about Lumen. So what kind of system is Lumen? Lumen is a uh, it's a power fantasy system, so it's designed for you to play a very powerful character. Mm-hmm. Um, mechanically, it uses uh, basically the two main systems in it are dice pools, so d6 dice pools, uh, mm-hmm. rolling and taking the highest die to determine success on things, and then um, sort of a resource economy that you use to just spend some sort of resource to do really cool, big, powerful things that your character can do. Um, it's largely inspired by things like um, looter shooters, because that's where you know I had my original uh, inspiration. Hero shooters, even like dungeon crawlers like Diablo, any of those things where you're a character that has like a small handful of powers and you just feel incredibly powerful while you're doing it. That's that's what it's designed to do. And so when you are rolling dice, it's not because you're consulting a large list of skills that you have access to, but we just kind of assume you're a badass, you're very good at whatever it is you do. So it's more how you're doing it than what you're doing determines dice rolling. And so the games are meant to be very fast, very powerful, um, they tend to be more combat oriented, but I've been talking to some designers who are already pushing against that and doing yeah. uh, non-combat stuff. So that's that's a general idea of Lumen. Yeah, the the, the non-combat thing is all the dogs um, <laughs> are more and more. I was going to say that a lot of people are moving more towards non-combat kind of thing mm. because. I know some people just don't like that kind of game, but still want to role play, which I think is something that you've got to think about now when you're designing a game. Some people aren't going to want to do that, so you maybe put that in there so they can play with your game. 
Yeah, I, I want to try and incorporate things like um, like base building and creating some sort of faction play and stuff mm-hmm. like that in Nova so that even if you aren't like purely a combat person, there's going to be cool things in there. Like there's going to be tech in there that you can engage with that you're going to have fun with. That's pretty cool. Um, right, so... I'm sorry, but this gets... I'm trying to get back into the no problem. Of myself. Um, so, what what kind of yeah, things have inspired? I know you know you're saying looting shooters and that kind of stuff. Mm. So, what is is that where you get all your inspiration from, or is it just that's just part of it? And then you just I think that's like from like a theme perspective, or <laughs> I guess like design perspective. That's my biggest inspiration. Is I I I before I was into board or uh, well board games and tabletop games, I was definitely into video games. And so, you know, playing them since I could pick up a controller sort of thing, they've always been a part of my life. Yeah. And I've and, and you know, ever since I started doing design and tabletop work, I have that curse where I I see something, a movie, a game, or something like that, and I go, "How can I turn that into a role playing game?" Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You can't you can't turn that part off. And so. For me, you know, I I think it was just inevitable that I was going to make something that was going to be so heavily inspired by looter shooters in these sorts of games just because I had spent, and I still do, spend so much of my time playing them that I was like, I want to find a way to translate them to the table that'll capture the essence of what makes these things cool and fun mm-hmm. without kind of bogging down with a lot of rules, especially because at least the looter shooters that I play, it's just nonstop cool action, right? It's not a lot of like stopping and taking and thinking about turns. It's just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And like, like Warframe and mm-hmm. Destiny and stuff like that. You're just constantly going, I know, because I'm, I'm a big Warframe player, so. Um, yeah, I, I love Warframe. You just, you, bull, you bullet jump into a room, you use all your abilities, the room is just full of corpses now, and that's a very cool feeling. Yeah. Um, um, I haven't got to do as much as I would like to have recently, but that 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 whole just getting in it, you, you can just sit down and play. You don't need to think about, you know, you need to obviously think about, right, okay, I'm, I'm freaking Grenier. Maybe I need to use this kind of weapon, mm. that kind of weapon. But there's very little thought that goes into it. It's just the kind of mission and what you're fighting. That's it. That's all you need to think about. And then you just get in it. And I like capturing that in the tabletop. You know, I, I like my, you know, crunchy heavy games or my RP heavy games as well. But this is one of those games that I want folks to be able to turn it on. You know, they, they bring it to the table. It's 60 minutes of just like feeling very powerful and cool. And then you walk away and go, all right, that was, that, you know, That's just like fun. you sit down to play a video game for a bit and you're like, okay, yeah. that you know, my brain feels very cool and powerful after doing that. I do like the idea that you only need to spend an hour doing it rather than mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we spend three, four, five hours and playing a game. Sometimes you just want that short burst of fun, and then I do. I do really like the the idea that one hour and in there, and then out. Right. You know I mean. You could play a couple of different games in that short time as well. 
Exactly. If you've got game night, you can either like get two or three cool sessions of different games in, or you can spend some time like socializing, hang out with your friends, and then you just play that one hour of a cool game, and then you play some card games or you know something else, mm-hmm. rather than saying we got to sit down for five hours and play this one thing. You know, that that worked well for me in grad school when we were all trapped in an office, anyways. But now that I'm outside of that, I'm I'm looking for games. I'm designing games that are fitting in that like faster mm. space. Because uh, especially through this whole pandemic, it's it's been like okay, we can sit down for a couple hours, but we're not going to get a five-hour session in. And you're like, mm-hmm. right, what can they actually get done in that short period of time? And now. You know, my younger brother's just had a baby as well, so <laughs> actually, actually getting three hours to sit down and game is kind of hard for him. So finding something that we can do, uh, even when we can, even not in person, but on, mm. uh, you know, we use, use Roll, the new yeah one, the new VTT program that's mm-hmm. coming, coming out, but I kick-started it, so I get to play it. But, we ever done. That's Go great. With a baby. That that. I can't imagine trying to step away from a baby for three hours. No, <laughs> no, it, it, it was like no, I'm not going to get to play for a while, um, especially how New Year's. He's mm. February was born, so that's going to be at least six or seven months before he's going to have even more than an hour to play. Right. So yeah, finding finding that kind of thing is is gonna help him stay in because yeah. you know we don't want to lose him from the group or and we get fed up because I think that has always been an issue with a lot of players is I don't have the time to do this so they stop playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether or not you've you've had that issue with people. I've definitely ran into that you know as as my play groups got older and we moved you know we moved around the country and we mm. took on more responsibilities it became harder and harder for us to first of all find a day of the week that we just could all meet in the first place but even mm. if we could it was very difficult to find like okay tuesday nights four hours is like a huge huge ask for a lot of my you know, friends, and that's understandable now. Mm. And so, um, we, I'm, I, I like trying to find these very fast games to, to fill that void. Me, yeah, that's that, that, that my first gaming group, um, was about 24 years ago we started, and then everyone went to university, half of me because I went out to work, and then some of them moved to like Japan and. America, and you're like, well, back then you didn't have all the, the programs that you've got to keep each other together, but then again, at the same time, you've got time zone issues, so it's, <laughs> it just didn't work, so that kind of disintegrated. And I never played RPGs till from from about the age of 21 to hmm. about, about 10 years later, so wow. it, was, it was a great big... I was always in gaming, because I was wargaming and board games and uh, still gaming, but RPGs just left my life for like 10 years. And I met a group of people and they're like, let's play some RPGs at, at a club. And that's 
the group that I came with now. Nice. Still. Um, and then I've tried, again, I've tried to get other groups together, but they just fall apart after a wee bit of time because you have time to play. Finding that time, somebody's job changes. It just, but again, an hour long game. This, this, this intrigues me. And, um, <laughs> Good. I'm definitely going to buy some games and hopefully kickstart uh, Nova when it comes out. So, as a segue to that, um, when is the Kickstarter? The Kickstarter launches on June 8th. So, um, June 8th in the morning, my time, which is Chicago time. So, Central, uh, you know, like you said, t- time zone. So, everybody will have to do the time zone math. I'm horrible at doing time zone Eight math. Eight o'clock could be two o'clock UK time. <laughs> okay. Three o'clock GMT. It's because we're in British summertime and GMT. Oh, right. So, like, some places are still GMT. Mm-hmm. We're in British summertime, you know. It should be not you the same thing. Time zones are so. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I let somebody else figure it out. So yeah, it'll be yeah. Uh, June eighth in the morning, uh, and it'll run until sort of the beginning of July. So just a little over three weeks. And that's it's a thing I like to talk to people about Kickstarters as well. You, you know, some people will go right. Okay, we'll do it for this amount of time, that amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always a question of um, how long do you think it's going to take for you to get that right amount of money and then fatigue for people because they'll be like, right, okay, I backed this a month ago. Do I really have the money for it? No. So that's always... I find like the zine quest thing, that's always... Obviously, they don't have enough money to hang everyone's zine quest, but the fact that it's short and sweet and the money's in your account and then it's out your account. You don't need to think about it. I think, I think, what do you feel about that? I, you know, I love the two week thing for zine quest. I a hundred percent agree. It just makes it quick, easy sort of thing. Um, the stakes generally with like a zine are lower in terms of mm-hmm. the amount of funds that you need to put together. So it's, it's like perfectly, suited for that sort of thing i ran a 30-day campaign last summer and it was exhausting um you know by the end i was very worn out of doing promo and things like that and that was my sort of first really big campaign so i think i was also just overwhelmed with like figuring out how kickstarter worked and how to promo it properly so this one is going to be it's just over three weeks and there's there's rationale for it. there's there's meant um there's a reason behind it and it's because um the how pay how paydays work and paychecks yeah. work right you want to hit end of the month and beginning of the month time periods because that's when paychecks come through and so uh i'm launching i'm missing I'm missing the beginning of June, so I want to mm-hmm. hit the end of June and I want to hit the beginning of July is yeah. sort of the mentality for that. Yeah. Well, I understand that because our, our period's the 10th to the 10th, so it'll okay. like two, day, two days after my pay. So gotcha. that's good to know. Perfect. Good. <laughs> it's pretty much perfect because it's like, right, okay, 10th, 10th rolls by and it's like, right, that money needs to go into the bank for a deposit for the house. And then all the rest of it goes 
<laughs> All the way. <laughs> the fact that I've still got if I've still got money left at this point is like right, okay. Hmm. Right, so that's only eight days into the month. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So that's that's sort of why I'm doing it that way. And I've I've done a few Kickstarters now, so I understand like how to not wear myself out at the beginning and to not sit in front of the page and just refresh every day for 30 yeah. days straight, you know, the things that the first time around I didn't know and were really exhausting. I've done this a few mm-hmm. times now. And so uh, I'm more, I'm more looking forward to this one that I have been in the past. Oh, well, that's good. Um, yeah. Because we, we've been talking about different types of crowdfunding and mm. early access and all this, that kind of stuff. And it's like, right. I don't have the patience to sit down and be looking at that every single day, every single hour, trying to... Somebody else is going to have to deal with that because it will drive me insane. Um, so, yeah. That's it also... I, I'm, I just have, don't have the patience for that, case, <laughs> that, that thing. Good thing about my writing partner is he has all the patience in the world. And he's very methodical, and it's like, right, okay, you get to deal with that. That's but, good. Um, That's a good partner to have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also goes, right, that doesn't work. So when, when, when you're writing stuff, you're like, that doesn't work. Nope. Nope. You tried that before, but then it didn't work. Because <laughs> I have the memory of a fish. Uh-huh. So I think, oh, that, that'd be really cool. And, but your same thing, like, you see this game, and you go, oh, that would be really cool. Mm. This is the game. I go and write it, and he's like, you've already written that before, and there's a reason we could do it, because it didn't work. <laughs> that is a very good person to have on a project like that. <laughs> and when I first started the, the, the whole project, the Legends of Insurance, the name of it, um, as you can tell by my handle on all the stuff that's on it um, it was me and then I started talking to him because he knows a lot about weapons mm. for, for somebody that lives in Scotland it's, it's quite surprising how much he knows about guns but mm, <laughs> I'll get into that um, but I, I talked to him about doing weapons and armour and then it just was like right two hours of work together and write this game he's like you write the basic mechanics I'll write it this and that and you write the story mm. and we're done. Easy. <coughs> easy, he says. Easy. easy. Super yeah. easy. <laughs> Two years down the line and I'm still like, right, does that work? Is that what is that spell mm. gonna work? No. No. Just bend that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. I know a lot of people who are solo writers through mm. Twitter and mm-hmm. it's like if I had to slow write this I would go absolutely barking mad because <laughs> I've got to have somebody bounce these ideas off right? and then again if I write something and drop it because it doesn't work I'll write it again and write it again and write it again right. Bane mm-hmm. um, so do you, do you have anyone that you can bounce ideas off or what, yeah. What, what's your writing process like? 
I so I write primarily alone, and then I throw those ideas into my Discord server, and we have a very kind of active and supportive group that are all throwing each other's works in progress into the this channel, and we're just reading them and giving them feedback. So there's kind of a good immediate feedback loop going on in there. And then actually just last night, I took uh, Nova to what I call the danger room, which is just doing combat simulations, just to make sure that combat was working the way that it, you know, if I say it's supposed to be a, a powerful, a power fantasy, and you're supposed to feel badass in combat, it better feel that way. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we tested that last night. Um, so I have a really good group there. And then in terms of writing, I learned from a previous project how important having an editor is. Uh, and so I've got an editor lined up for for Nova when the, the writing is done. And they are going to make the whole thing make a lot more sense and sound good. So um, Will Yopst is going to be my writer. They're a, a game designer on a number of other projects and also a fantastic editor. So um, that's I think that's the key to success I have learned is a really solid editor. Um. I have learned from other people that editors are magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Truly. So I, I already have, like, the line editor lined up. Mm-hmm. You need different editors for different things. That's the other thing that I've learned is mm-hmm. line editor does one thing, this editor does this thing, this editor does that thing. So it's like, right, okay. I know who's going to do that. Mm. And this is for later on. So, try to figure out who to do that. It's, it's, they, it's a work they in are progress. Matching. Yeah. Uh, but especially since my spell atrocious. And my mm. grammar is, well, I speak how I write, so. <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> people like, yeah, that's not English. It's like, well, I don't speak English. I speak Scots. <laughs> Um, not not proper Scots, but Ouija Scots. So. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's just like you don't, you're not writing in English. Yeah, that's kind of the point. Right. I don't. I speak how I write. If you see some of my um, tweets, it's like, mate, just on Scots. You know, like, can't understand them. Right. <laughs> that, that's sometimes how I write. Something really, <laughs> particularly if I'm in a particularly bad mood, I'm just like, mate, fuck it, just done, just go into Scott's mode and just yeah. write in that. <laughs> and then I read it and I'm like, right, I'm gonna have to edit this. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's good that you've got that all that all planned and lined up because <laughs> the thing I, I have found is. Finding people that are willing to um, sign on to a project, knowing that it's going to be a couple of years down the line that they're going mm-hmm. to get paid, mm-hmm. and they're only going to get paid when they do the work. Mm-hmm. But going right, yeah, I'll do this for you. It's just like artists and layout and all the rest of that kind of stuff. You're like, well, I don't know when it's going to be, so I don't know when I can tell you when you're going to get paid to do it. And obviously, there's a lot of freelancers in mm-hmm. the RPG industry that are having issues with money at the moment. So, 
that's that's the thing I found difficult with it. Uh, is that been your experience, or it, you know, it's similar to what we were talking about? How it's hard to find a group to play an R, a, an RPG at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, lining up schedules. You know, I have artists and graphic designers and people like that that I want to work on projects, but it's figuring out when are their commissions opened? Are their commissions open around the same time as each other? Or, you know, the the editing has to be done before it can get sent to layout and art needs to be sent to the layout person too. So I need to kind mm-hmm. of coordinate those timelines so that they converge at the same point. And um, so that's, that's a bit of a puzzle to figure out the, the bigger the team gets every, you know, and this, probably project has the biggest team of uh, people that I've worked with before. Mm -hmm. So um, there's, there's definitely an element of that. And then, yeah, absolutely. In terms of making sure that people get paid, you know, a big part of it is this sort of like with a Kickstarter, you gotta, you gotta pay for some stuff ahead of time so that your Kickstarter page looks good. Like you need some art on that page. If it's an, if you got no art on the page, people aren't going to back your game. So, you know, you got to have some money ahead of time into that. You know, it helps to have some form of a a quick start document to show off as well. Um, And so then you have to decide, are you going to do the layout on that? Are you going to just put it in a Google Doc? There's, And so there's a lot of that sort of front funding on bigger projects that I think some folks maybe don't realize is necessary. Um, They just think, oh, I'll get all the money with Kickstarter and then I'll pay for all this stuff. But... Um, I've, I've reached the point now where I've sort of created an endless cycle. Basically any money that I make from any games on like itch or anything like that just immediately goes into an account that is just also then straight on to artists and layout people. So I've, I've just created a sort of an internal, yeah, exactly. So money in just immediately goes out to the next project is how, how I'm working it right now. Because yeah, that, that's that's the thing. That's why we were talking about doing an early access version of the game. Because currently, it's free mm. to get the playtest version. But this version will be as close to the full version mm. as I can get it right now. Right. Before I have money to pay, you know, the artists in front and then layout and all this that kind of stuff. So the idea is anyone that gets the early access version gets the full version of all the art and all this, that when it goes out as soon as we've got it ready they get it before the Kickstarter people before mm-hmm. anyone else people that do the early access get it then done sure so yeah that's... I think that's a great way of doing it sort of that pre-order sort of idea and then the the, the quick start demo version or something like that to kind of people get a sample they know what they're getting into and then they know eventually they're going to get the full thing and that's that's nice too i like mm. that i like that method a lot because there's, there's a couple of people that I know that have done that and obviously mm-hmm. it takes longer to mm-hmm. get because then can't name his name philip philip can't remember his second name now it's shocking um or delay publishing he's doing the domains He's had to, obviously, because of the rules with Croatia, which is where he lives, and Kickstarters and all this stuff, he's had to go down that route of funding it through early access versions of domains, which I bought, even though I'm not a horror fan, because I believe in him and mm. what he's trying to do. So I was like, well, there's the money for me. 
do do with it what you will because I'll probably never play it. But um, yeah, I think sometimes that's with people that have to go along that line. Mm. You, you try and support them as best you can um, because everyone's got a voice and everyone mm-hmm. should have a voice. That's that's the whole that's, that's the thing with me. I, I think putting as much money in as many different places as you can and then you just go, right, there you go. Have, have fun. Make, it's, make it's with so it what cool. you will. Right, and then, then you get to see and hear the thought processes and the designs and the voices of people who, you know, of, of games that you never thought you'd play. Like like you said, you're not a horror person, but in maybe in reading that you'll see something in there that will latch on to you, even if it's even if ultimately you don't play a horror thing. And I think that's the cool thing about just reading and supporting as many games as you can, because there's there's going to be something in there that inspires you, that that sticks out to you, even if it's not the type of game you normally play. Um, so I'm 100% with you on that. I like throwing my money at just all kinds of projects that I'm just like, sure, I, I probably, the, the chances of me playing this are almost 0%, but I will read it because it will be interesting and I want to hear what you have to say. Well, it's like Lancers, uh, even though it's a mech game. I was like, mm, will I play this? Will I play this? Bought it, read it. It was like, yeah, I'll play this. Somebody <laughs> need, need to get a group to play it with, but I will play this. Um, it's, it's, it's like all the bundles that you, you mm. pick up, you're like, hmm. there's games in here that I would never have spent any money on. And, and if, if I was just going out to buy a game that I wanted to buy, but they've got some money. Mm-hmm. It helps everyone out. Why not? I lo- I love the bundling stuff that's going on on itch. Like the you just see these really interesting thematic bundles that like there's the world building bundle that's going on right now. It's just filled with yeah. super cool stuff. To get that, it's a point. Yeah, I don't know how long <laughs> it's got left, but. I don't remember either off the top of my head, yeah. uh, especially as of moment of this recording. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's what I need to look at because I, mm-hmm. I love looking at world, world building stuff because you know, you're building a world even when you have a, a pretty solid idea of the world, it's always nice to see how other people do it exactly uh, I mean, uh, this particular world that we're writing um, I've skipped a few ages of when we played it because Second Age and then the Fourth Age is the two campaigns that I did of it. So we're now in the Seventh Age and lots of shit has <laughs> happened. So I'm like, mm, right, okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, that that is always it's always nice to see another person's perspective, especially from a completely different place from you. Right. Um, that's why I like doing the European looking at the European ones because mm. British RPGs are very British Let, let's see <laughs> and I'm not very British I'm not getting into that but um, that's a whole other podcast <laughs> that's a whole other thing um, but also the Japanese RPGs mm. they, the way they do things um, and Americans and, and I think with the advent of the internet, it's made an indie gaming. Mm-hmm. It's made a lot more voices heard. 
but we need to help out and make even more voices heard. So you know, that's that's it's, it's cyclical, isn't it? If exactly. you don't support the people that are making smaller games rather than just supporting big games, you're not going to get those voices. Uh, right. Which is why I did. Um, what's the name of it? The Native American one. Oh, uh, Coyote and Crow. Yeah, that's that's yeah. why I supported that Kickstarter because I was like, I haven't seen anything like this before. Yeah, and that should be supported. I'm because so it, glad it, that campaign exploded it, too. It, that it was, was fantastic massive. to see. Yeah, and I was like, Ooh, enjoy that, and I will probably enjoy that game very much. Yeah, just. I think sometimes it's the art that catches you, and you're like, mm. yes, yes. It's like um, Cthulhu Tech, the art got mm. me, but then I actually read the rules and was like, maybe not. <clears throat> <laughs> so I spent the money, I bought right. it, but I didn't buy anything else other than the rule book. <laughs> You can get inspiration from the art. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like uh, it's why handle. That's mm. that's very Warhammer fantasy. Uh, right. I think it's basically it's it's based very much on Warhammer fantasy, but right. the art because it's one artist really mm. and all the art, and you're like, Ooh, I like that. But then that latches me onto Flames of Freedom. The colonial gothic but it was the people that were involved with it that I was like well if they're involved with it then it's probably going to be a good game so mm. I, I, I have a weird metric for buying games they might look <laughs> cool and then it's the people that are involved sometimes right. so. and then it's just like fuck it it's the money I just have a list of designers. Anytime they make something, it's like, yep, I'm going to go buy that. Uh, you know, again, even if I, I probably won't ever use it, but I, I like you as a designer. I like, I like the way that you think. You always make me think about things a different way. So, um, I, I'm, I'm with you. I've, you know, my, de- my decision making process for when I buy games is not very systematic, but it oh. is, um, but it is, it gives me a lot of different things, which I like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what what's in the future? Have you any ideas what's past the Nova? Mm. Um, what is past Nova? Uh, well, for all of my games, I tend to run a game jam with them on release. So there will be some sort of Nova game jam when the game comes out, and because it uses the Lumen system, and I've got a Lumen jam going on right now, people have some experience in building stuff with it, and so. I did it with Light in the past. I did it with Slayers. And so uh, I always like running game jams uh, because a big part of my design philosophy is making games that are easy for people to hack or throw stuff onto. And so that's definitely going to be one of the things that I want to do uh, for Nova. Uh, I, I, I know that I want to continue to support and expand Nova with other stuff. What that looks like. It's hard to say right now. Uh, we'll see how the campaign goes, and then that will kind of give me a sense of of scope and everything like that. 
my one other project that I'd like to really try and get going on this year is a collaborative work, um, hiring other designers and artists to do uh, individual submissions for my game Corvid Court. Um, and so I want to kind of put together a book of like maybe six or so submissions from people making classes or adventures or things like that for that game. Um, different artists, different uh, writers, so that it really is just sort of um, a mixed bag of stuff. That's that's a project that I want to run this year at some point. That'll probably be in the back half of the year. So um, I think that, I you know, for the most part, it's running Nova, getting that ready, getting that jam ready, and then uh, working on Corvid Court. Cool. I, I, I do like the idea of, like, having other people do stuff for your game. And I know a, a lot of, like, obviously, the bigger companies, they have a license, and you can't, unless you, you're working for them, you can't do that, or, you know, they're making mm-hmm. money off it. I need to work it out for myself, but I think the idea between, behind, right, this is the game we are writing, do what you want for it. If you want to make money off it, that's fine. Just use, like, or banners or whatever it is, and just that's fine. I don't have an issue with people. I'm going to make money off it. Why shouldn't somebody else make money off it? That's is the cyclical thing that I, I like the idea of. Mm-hmm. I know I'll, I have talked to other indie writers, and they're like, "Oh no, I don't want anyone else making money off my game. It's my mm. game." I, I I'm fine with that. I think it's yeah. I think it's cool. I just like letting people make whatever they make, and if they put work into it, I think they deserve compensation for their work. That's and it. So, um, yeah. Just putting our banner on it. That's fine. Mm-hmm. T- telling people about our game. That's that's the thing. If you're telling people about our game, people are going to go buy your game. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's it works out for you to to let to like, encourage people to do that. Do you not think about that? Like, right, <laughs> they are making adventures or campaigns for your game, so somebody's gonna go buy your game, right? Because they have a totally different audience. They have a different group of people yeah. that they can connect to, and so they'll yeah. that will bring eyes to your thing. It, and then I think it's a great idea. Which is, which is one of the things that I, I like the like the smaller podcasts and. YouTube, mm-hmm. no, not YouTube, but YouTube and um, Twitch channels. They don't do D and D, don't do right. World of Darkness. Or, they do the smaller games. I like them because they're like right, giving people a, a a taste of this different game because you don't get it on Critical Role. Well, I, I think Critical Role sometimes do. I've never watched Critical Role, so I don't know. Every once in a while, they'll pick like a random indie darling and, and do something. But yeah, it's mostly D and D over there. Yeah, which which is fine because that's that's what makes the money. That's this this right. that that's why I will never ever shit on Critical Role or anyone like them. It's them making money. It's mm-hmm. them keeping people interested in RPGs, which mm-hmm. is a trickle down. It's a small trickle down, but any time any person picks up your RPG, that's a new person. Right. Just because they came from Critical Role, that's how they got into it. Doesn't mean it's not going to help you. That's, exactly. 
that's never shooting critical role. Don't see the point because they don't care. Yeah. And also, it's kind of shitty. Yeah, I mean they're 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 doing their thing. They're making their money. They're they're helping grow the uh, the the visibility of RPGs. They're making RPGs seem cool. Which like, hey, if you're gonna make RPGs seem kind of cool and approachable to people, that's great for all of us. I think yeah. that's gonna be one yeah. of those things that, yeah, maybe most people who watch it are gonna go just stick to D and D, but it, there will be some fraction of them that are gonna go look at these cool indie RPGs, yeah, and that's cool. No, Matt Mercer. Mm-hmm. He shouts out people yeah. all the time, and people look into his stuff, and they're like, "Well, he, he does what he, he he does for the industry, and that's cool." Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, I did want to Warframe. Mm-hmm. You were writing a game that was based on Warframe. I, I didn't know whether or not it's something you, you can talk about or you mind talking about. I know there was a bit of a kickback from some <laughs> of the fans. There was, yeah. So back in, about a little over two months ago, I had launched a Kickstarter for a game called Frame, yeah. um, which was, you know, it was my first Again, that was also my first big Lumen game. Um, and it was inspired by looter shooters. And, you know, primarily the biggest inspiration came from Warframe. And uh, turns out the Warframe community does not like that, or at least some small section of the fandom didn't like that. I didn't and, understand it myself, because that's, that's how I found you. Because right. you were talking, I can't remember who it was, but they were talking to you about frame and i was like mm-hmm. oh yes please yes yeah. please um it, you even know if it's I, not an official game i don't care right you know? it was one of those things where a small group of a small but very vocal group of the fandom basically made my life hell immediately mm-hmm. um they were harassing me on twitter reddit they came into my discord and were harassing mm-hmm. me and uh the people in my server and it was one of those things where I realized, okay, I can either just like sit here and just deal with this for three weeks because that was how long the campaign was going to go, mm-hmm. or I can just shutter this and figure out a way that's not going to be as horrible on my mental health and draining for me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I canceled the project the day it launched, you know, three hours after it launched, which is just, it was heartbreaking for me. Mm-hmm. But that's that's sort of where Nova comes from is it mm-hmm. is a – you know, I I put it in. An, I took a lot of the tech that was in frame, and I just put it in a setting that was totally different. It was it's a setting that my friend Mike Riemann and I developed about three years ago as part of just a, a game jam that we were working on. And so yeah. I said, "Listen, I'm just going to put this tech into a setting that is not Warframe, so that they can't, you know, they can't." come after me you know fingers crossed but you know like you said there were so many people in the warframe community who did reach out to me who said hey this sounded cool i would have loved it and it's one of those things where i you know i always say i i also would have loved it but um until digital extremes decides to knock on my door and say yes or no to it i'm gonna just not go near it um i I have been a part of like groups 
on Facebook and stuff where mm. people have been looking at like official games like they're going to get licensed for this, that or the next thing and then mm. either the fans don't like it or the company's like no. Yeah. And then they've all that work that they put on it has had to get moved to someone else. So I always like to see when people have moved that work to something else. And that's uh, as I say, that's one of the reasons I, I found you is that mm-hmm. on Twitter, of course, because I work frame, and I was like, I, I, I wanted to talk about it, but I didn't want to like push yeah. you on the subject because I know sometimes things like that can just be like, no, I don't want to talk about it. Jot it down. That's that's why I left it to now to talk about it. <laughs> if you had reached out to me two months ago to talk about it, I would have been like, don't even talk to me right now. Yeah. But you know, it's one of those things that I have. I genuinely think that the the thing that I've created out of the whole endeavor with Nova is 10 times cooler. I'm really excited about Nova. And so it's like, yeah, it was a really shitty, horrible experience, but from it sort of is rising a very cool thing. So, um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny how you mentioned you found me from that. I think a lot of people who are recently following me have found me from the Warframe thing. So I hope that they, Steve. I hope that they see Nova and they go, okay, it's not exactly Warframe, but this guy's got some some cool ideas. Yeah. Well, that, that's that's the thing. Um, as I say, I stayed because I was like, do you know what? If he's had this idea, and, and I saw all the bits and pieces that done, I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to find something I like mm-hmm. from, from what you, what you <laughs> do. So I'm like, I'm staying. Excellent. Um, and and screw the screw the idiots. So that's yeah. that, that's just that's just my take on everything. Screw the idiots. If, if they might be idiots, just like fuck off. Right. And, and just just leave us alone. That's that's, yeah. that's the thing. Um, it's how I de- dealing with trolls. Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't get angry at them. Take the piss out of them. Right. And go right. Fuck off! <laughs> once, you, once you're done with taking the piss out, then just fuck off. Right. Okay, go away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, it, it, it did kind of suck when I thought I saw it. it was it hit going live because I was like, right, okay, wins PD. Mm. There's there's money. Ah, three years later. Yeah. But I, again, I understood as well because it's yeah. like you don't want to deal with all that hassle when you don't need to. Right. If it was something you were locked into, then yeah, but nah. That that whole toxic, it's, it's very, people, people say that it's a small minority, but at, at times it feels like a huge amount of people because it, it's... Right. <laughs> like that is rapid and you're like what right why yeah why it was why? just one of the it was such a surprising yeah if, yeah, if, if, thing. if the company had issues with it then they'd come and tell you that they had issues with it you know what I mean right. like, it's not like they're not going to uh, monitor this kind of thing it's like Games mm-hmm. Workshop Games Workshop have an entire department of people that go that's your stuff. Get rid of that because you make right. money off it. Off, you know. Right. So companies like this have. As long as you make money off it, you'll be like, 
no. Right. Stop it. Or, okay, we like it, like it. Uh, we'll license it to you. Right, that's that's exactly. how things like this work. It's like D&D. I, I don't, I would assume they've got their own because Hasbro's a big, massive company. Right. <laughs> Huge company. Um, so I would assume there's a, an intellectual property group does mm. designated to D&D. And they're like, no, get away. Right, exactly. Any big company, I I don't know how big, I keep on forgetting their name. Digital Extremes is pretty big. They they have a parent company with Tencent, and Tencent is huge. There you go. (laughs) They're going to have a big intellectual property um, group, and they'll be like, looking at everything. Mm. Anytime anything goes anywhere, that's that's two on the nose. Right. No. So, yeah, it's just it's just fandom. Yeah. Uh, I, I find that there, there is groups of people that are just too much, too much into the games. Um. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a, a long enough time to be sitting talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's nice, great. Nice, nice, nice week, Sometimes. Uh, I, I can run for like two and a half, three hours, but it's like if it's just the first time you're talking to somebody, I mm. think it's three hour, so you don't lose the flow and you don't talk yourself out and annoy the people. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, thank you so much on. for having me. Really appreciate it. It was fantastic. Um, so. If you put out, you give us your Twitter, your mm. like, all, all the all the social media stuff, and uh, we'll do an outro after that. Sure, <laughs> right? sounds good. No, um, I'm. Yeah. Oh, do it now. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you can find me online at uh, on Twitter at Gila RPGs. That's G I L A RPGs. Uh, GilaRPGs is all.com is my website. Uh, it's also my itch page. So I'm kind of the same thing across the board, which is very helpful. Um, we have a, a shorter, easier link for Nova for the Kickstarter than like the full link. If you go to ttrpg.link slash Nova KS, that will take you to the Nova page where um, right now it's in that follow or notify me mode. And then on June 8th, uh, it will go live. Right, I'm going to stop recording. Right, so that is the end of the interview with Spencer Campbell about Nova uh, and Spencer's travels and RPGs. So, uh, I would recommend that you go for his Kickstarter link. Um, What is Kickstarter? Um, notification page so you're notified when the Kickstarter starts and so you can pledge if it is the kind of thing you're looking for uh, it's certainly something that I think would be very cool um, and I will be putting money to um, as soon as I get paid I think <laughs> next time um, sorry I've got a bit cold now that I've, uh, while I'm recording this 
Um, yeah, and also I would recommend you follow Spencer on Twitter. Um, go to his website, look at the stuff he's done. Um, I will put all the links in the comments page um, so you can do your thing. Uh, so the next podcast should be next week. Uh, I'm releasing this on, hopefully on Monday the 24th of May and hopefully I should also have another one for you on Monday the 31st of May. So the next episode should be with uh, an interview with Nick Butler who is the man behind Tidebreaker which is an upcoming cinematic RPG um, where you take on the role of power, a group of powerful heroes um, so it is early access right now but it's going to go to Kickstarter so if you want to look at the raw uncut version um, go to tiebreaker.rpg.com and get the early access version and me and Nick are going to talk about Tidebreaker and again his, his journey in RPGs and all this, that kind of good stuff hopefully on Thursday, so that means hopefully I should have it um, ready together and ready to go uh, for the 31st of May, if not it'll be the week after that um, I'm going to try and do more interviews and more podcasts um, for in the next week well because I'm trying to get myself back into the, the swing of things um, yeah, so there's a Kickstarter that's running right now that um, I'm going to plug. It's Into the Motherlands uh, by Tanya DePass, uh, Gabe Hicks, Gabe Walters, and several others. Uh, if you don't know anything about Into the Motherlands, uh, they currently are in the middle of the second season of uh, um, actual play stream, uh, which you can catch up on YouTube because it is in the middle of the second season as I did say uh, they have an RPG uh, they are working on right now that is currently kickstarting uh, it's been running for 3 or 4 days and it's already way past what they were looking for uh, last I looked it was over $150,000 um, but um, all the money they can get is what they need, you know, obviously um, to make the game better and to get, give people a better experience, um, but as I said, the people involved in it are some of the biggest best, brightest minds in the industry, so uh, yeah, so go look at it see if it's something you're interested uh, something I was interested so um, yeah, pledge get it it should be great. Um, <clears throat> as always, I'm going to plug Legends of Hamman Sharon and Hamman Sharon Publishing, which is obviously my uh, upcoming RPG that we are working on. Uh, it's currently in its uh, third or fourth playtest version. Um, we will be doing an early access version sometime later in the year. I, I did plan for like August, September, but it's probably going to be closer to the end of the year, um, just because of various bits and pieces that we are working on. 
um, and that will be actually um, not free. Uh, I have got to the point where the free stuff I can do is only going to get so far, uh, so I'm going to have to start paying people and, well, we don't have any money. So we're going to do an early access version. If you buy the early access version, you will get the full version for free. Well, you've already paid your £15, $15, I'm not sure um, what the price will be at the moment. Uh, but that will pay for editors um, and various other writers to get involved in the game. Um, so there'll be disability um, consultants, you know, cultural consultants, sensitivity consultants, and then editors, and what have you, and artists, because um, obviously art is a huge thing. Um, and we want really good art. And I, My idea is to have as little to do when we have the Kickstarter as we possibly can um, for the, the main game. Um, stuff like you know all the black and white art and all the colour art that's something you got to look at for Kickstarter but um, like short story writing and all this that kind of stuff as well and then it'll be the stuff we haven't got to um, that'll be like stretch goals uh, so the main body of it will be this is what we need to make the full version um, I'm still working on numbers and figures, but uh, yeah. <clears throat> basically, we want to make the best game we possibly can, and we want to make it as quickly as we possibly can. We want to get to the backers as quickly as we possibly can. Um, but there'll be an early access version. There'll be a Kickstarter version. So there will be exclusive art and all this that kind of stuff in different versions and. There'll be extra bits and PCs and adventures that'll be in the Kickstarter version and the early access version. Not all separate. But if you get the early access version, you will get the full version of the rules. Um, you just won't get the add-ons that the Kickstarter has. And vice versa. With the early access, you'll get the adventure that's in the early access, but that the kit in the Kickstarter won't get that adventure, it'll be exclusive to the early access version. That, that's this the kind of thing I'm going with. Anyway, <clears throat> as I said, you can download the current playtest version at itch.io and drive through RPG. Um, you can find more about the world on hamandshawnpublishing.com. You can follow us at hamandshawn.com. At at Hamantron on Twitter, not Hamantron.com. We have a Facebook page, um, and we also have a Facebook group group for players. Um, so, oh, that's it. Um, I'm going to say good day and happy hobby, folks.